welcome to the synthesizers podcast um i've been thinking about you man i've been worried about you a little bit i know your dad was visiting i know he beat covid um but he's older and not in the best of health well he's not he's 93 so when you say beat covid it was sort of a bit you know bigger deal except it wasn't the early covid so he wouldn't have survived that like right yeah but he was just with you and everything yeah so so we did easter Mm. went over to yeah went over to my uh sister's house they had driven up uh to here in in nashville spring hill tennessee and it was good we had a good time except uh over the last few months he has like deteriorated like slowly like not being able to walk much not being able to like falling a lot you know and he's he's a guy that like at 92 just a year ago he was working on the deck you know behind our house like he's just one of those so like physically slowing down um yep. but mentally is he is he sharp mentally very sharp and um he uh, that's one of the things that he, he's just really like bothered by it he's like i'm not going to sit in this wheelchair if i get up and walk around i'm not going to be one of these statistics like i have to keep my body going you know right. i have to keep it right. but he remembers each time he fell through a whole year and he does repeat it every time he sees me, but he, he, he tells me that, you know, over and over one of the best men in the world, you know, you, I mean, it's a great guy. Yeah. You would and contest he just, it. He just knows how to make you feel loved when you're with him. Yeah. Looks you right in the eye, he pays attention to you. He's yeah. got that smile. Yeah. And he, he, uh, he honestly like does love and he's had to, he's had to go, um, over some like boundaries that he I don't think he expected because he was born in 1930 right so you had all this stuff with race you had all this stuff with um I mean the wars wars the I mean he was a he was a Korean he's a Korean vet you know my grandfather was a, a veteran of Korea as well yeah so he he worked in the communications so he wasn't right up front but mm. Everybody that's involved in something like that, they all play a part and it all weighs on them, you know? Yeah. But he was an essential part, you know, of, uh, of the war and well, conflict. I don't know if they upgraded it to a war. Did they? It was always the Korean conflict officially, but did they upgrade it? I only hear it referred to as the Korean war. Yeah. I mean, th- there's a Korean war memorial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, this past time, 93 he is at uh our sister's house and he falls again so Mm. this is after i've seen him uh some uh months ago but like when i saw him again he was like they had to help him out of the car barely made it up the house they brought out a wheelchair to try to push him up like it was sort of a it, it it was a it was an observation that that brought me to a place that I tried to avoid. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, dad's getting older. One of the you know 
best men around, though he watches Fox News and has all that, <laughs> has all that stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But 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 again, he's the first one to love whoever is around. But man, that uh seeing him like that made me realize how close it actually is. How close yeah. it actually how close it actually is to him uh passing. And he's made comments about he wants to um have recorded as he's passing, he wants to record what he sees as he leaves like he 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 wants to if he sees something as he's leaving like the light or whatever he wants it recorded he wants he he wants to let people know how he goes out and it sounds like he is looking forward to it he he he's already said like so And this is crazy too. I try to avoid when he brings it up, but I mean, you got you got Christmas, you got birthdays, you got whatever. Right. You don't have anything that uh, that he wants, you know, because he's like at this stage, he's like, you know, he literally says, "I'm ready." Like, mm-hmm. I want to just go on, you know. And hear your dad say that, you it, it really starts to sink in, but you also just set it aside because you're like. I want my dad to stay and I can't imagine what I would, I can't imagine what I would do. I know it's going to be pretty fucked up when he dies. It's going to, it's going to, you can never prepare for that, but I, there's going to be a period where I'll probably be really fucked up, you know? I mean, it's easier to think about our own deaths and sort of be stoic about it and, and contemplate what happens next because it's ours and we will be in that experience. Just like I, I noticed, like I, I travel sometimes and my partner travels sometimes and it always is harder to be left behind. Right. Yeah. It's easier to be the one who travels than the one, the one left behind. And no matter you know, what you believe about the afterlife, he is gone. He's not at that next Christmas and that birthday passes without him. And it doesn't sound like you're even remotely prepared. No, 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 not, no, not, not at all. Like when he fell and he fell, you know, uh, the next day after Easter, he, he fell and then he couldn't uh, get up. He couldn't walk on his own. And my mom, she has a hard time pushing the wheelchair. I mean, they are 17 or 19 years apart in age and she's doing great. You know, she's been taking care of him, but like that, uh, that was a time that it's declining so fast. And he was such a strong man. And he is such a strong man that it's like, I, I have to sort of like, uh, entertain, which is a horrible word for it. Entertain the thought of when, you know, it would occur. Yeah, you have to use your imagination and but, feel, you know, start feeling some of those feels. But you I mean, say you 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 said that for us individually, it's more stoic, and we have a better. I I don't feel that way. I like I feel it's the same journey I'm going to take, and there's a truth there, and so it makes me it makes me think more of my own 
moment where that happens, you know, and, uh, and you and me have talked for a long time about this, but I, I tend to sometimes slip into this out of time thing where I'm looking at everything from my deathbed, looking at all the events that happen, not intentionally and not, not, not morose, but looking at it all through that and life passing so fast and you've time traveled, however slowly you've time traveled to that moment, you know? And so with my, with my dad, I know that time travel moment is like coming. So, but like we, we had lunch a couple years ago, we had lunch and I finally just asked him like, is it weird that I'm sitting here across from you, your son? And he was just like, yeah, it's weird. It's like, I I was a little boy and now he's at the stage where he is going, he is going to leave relatively soon. And I can't, you know, picture it, but it's, it's insane to him. And it'll be insane to me. The hard part is knowing what we, I don't mean to keep rambling without you being able to, you know, jump in, but the hard thing for me is the more me and you have learned about um, the culture of Israel, um, the culture within the church. If people are listening to this that aren't like Christians or whatever, there's a whole history that is, assumptions have been made about many things that like we we we've realized and found out like it never says you're going to heaven it never says you're going to heaven in scripture it talks about somehow being in the presence and then this heaven coming down and so it's pretty abstract you know a lot of what we know about heaven and the stories that we pass on come you know from Dante and other yep. writers, and poets, and, um, and and painters of that age, sort of creating these depictions uh, with with angels, something above and something below, and and uh, and and the Satan and all that, and the uh, the hell of the afterlife. But all that all that came later, and so I'm processing all this, knowing like I don't have the story to defend when someone. I hate to say this, when someone at the funeral is going to be talking about it, saying, well, at least he's in heaven right now. Like, I just want to say, that's not clear. You don't, you don't know that. But then I feel like I'm bashing their belief. But what I need in that moment is not that, well, at least he's in heaven. You know, I need them to say, you can wail and scream right now, like other cultures do, you know, like you can wail, you can scream. You need to be better at that. And it's not inappropriate, you know, but you can't at a, a, a dark, dim funeral home with your parents' body laying there filled with fake shit made up to try to look like them, which it never does. And then you're supposed to, and you're supposed to be the one that's being comforted. You're supposed to like, Go along with the story. If you don't go along with the story, you're making other people uncomfortable. <laughs> like that's right. the that's one of the things besides the pain that it's going to be. Uh, that's one of the things I just don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how I would address it. You know, I'm sure I'll just play along because for my mother, you know, like 
I know. I um that I, I believe that that's one of the reasons that religious beliefs and beliefs about the afterworld have hung on and can maintain the popularity that they have yeah. because it gets us through funerals and funerals are inevitable. My, my daughter Lola is, you know, a proclaimed agnostic uh, atheist. Um, she's a practical, she's a practical thinker. Um, right. And she lost a friend to suicide a couple of years ago. Um, and we went to that funeral and we heard just what you were saying, people giving each other platitudes to try to comfort them. The people who say those, those things, it's really, I mean, what do you say? But the people it's out, who, it's out of good know, intent. It's out of good intent. But it's to leave their own pain, their own discomfort, and 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 to say the right thing, and they hope to to ease your pain. And but but but, but sorry, Bart, sorry, but it only it only emphasizes to me the questions and the mysteriousness of it that you you have to play the part of. Like that that is what those platitudes mean. And my daughter who doesn't my daughter who doesn't believe in an afterlife and she's crying next to me having you know grieving the loss of a friend and she said dad i feel like i'm the only one in here actually dealing with reality actually grieving the loss because they're telling each other hey he's in heaven now and he's perfected and you know you know we're at the train station he took an early train but we'll be joining him there soon and they're 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 relieving themselves of this pain that someday they will have to address yep and i you know i'm crying today because i lost someone who i will never see again in the inevitability of it is setting in and that that's that's hard to cope with as a human you know what I mean? And that's why we say all of those things and believe all of those things and kind of go, la, 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 la. <laughs> you yeah. know? But, it, but if you, and there's a part of me that still does, but if you d- believe part of those things, that is why you go, la, 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 you know, because you, you maintain that. Yeah. Your, your, your daughter at this point, says she doesn't believe there's an afterlife. And like we talked about before, that is the most horrendous thing I could ever think of. Ever. Ever. Holy crap. Um, but, but most people who are Christians become Christians when they're children. Yeah. Jesus even said, you know, unless you become like a child, you'll never, you'll never understand this. And one of the downfalls of getting older and growing wise and continuing to read and study and think. Um, Although it's called compromise from your tribe, which is that. But you don't think like a child anymore. Right. It's easy for children to believe their parents said it so. The Bible tells me so. It will just it, be this way. Right. And the, But the Bible doesn't tell me so. You've been taught the Bible tells me so, but it does not. Even even Yeshua's teachings as the Christ of Israel never dealt with those things. No, like it, it never was. I, I, I talked to, I think it was my, something came up. I posted like, uh, Jesus never 
was a person that taught like eternal hell and stuff. And the first response I got from multiple people, but him is, and I love him, is he did. That's all he talked about. And so first it's not, but that shows you the, um, and, and, that, that shows you the information that's being pushed yeah. to you as a child, the assumptions, the it's, it's ideologies, you know, it's dogma. Because most Christians don't actually read the Bible. No. And, and atheists would say, you know, the number one creator of atheists is the Bible, like people who no. who actually yeah. read it and, and, and study it. Like um, the, the, but, but one of the main things that, because this other other thing, these other th- assumptions as truth have worked their way into the belief system of those that follow the right. Christian path, which the, it, it's stuff that's been added on top because that man from Jerusalem never taught these things. It, it, it was a revelation of a new way to live. So I don't want, I don't want to go too much into like the theology of Christianity, but it it's something different than what Christianity says today. And to say that it's not is you rejecting the Bible somehow, but the Bible's the one thing that argues against that. I mean because you have the entire history so-called of mankind included in Genesis, which was written much later, that that never talks about that subject. If that was the main part of Christianity, like living or going to eternal hell, like that would have been the main thing that God's warning people of. And if you talk to Christians, you you would believe that that's what the Bible says. Absolutely. But what it is, young Christians absorb a, a dogma, right? They 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 take on an ideology, and when they read the actual Bible, they begin with this is Scripture, not just the Bible. But they cast their ideology onto the text that is there. And then they just, they only see verses that support their ideology and they centralize these and marginalize conflicting ideas as if they're not there. But if they read the Bible academically rather than devotionally, they would see it differently. But if you uh, saying the Bible doesn't make mistakes, it's in the inerrant word of God, which the Bible never claimed to be. And Jesus is the son of God, which he claimed to be. But also when we're talking about the Bible never claims, it's, it's a bunch of letters that a lot of them were, were in a limbo if they should even be involved, like even revelation, they thought revelation was this like crazy, you know, rambling of, of things that eventually worked themselves, you know, in. In, in inside of the doctrine, that book of Revelation is the revelation of John. And it's sort of implied that that's the same John from the gospel. We but, never we never know that. People need to read the cliff notes of the Bible. <laughs> John of the gospel never wrote that. You know, it was written in Greek. 
you know, years later. If you, if, 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 if you, sorry, so sorry, when, different than the Greek sorry. Of the gospel. Sorry, go ahead. Say, no, you need to say that again because some sometimes whenever I speak, you just cut out, and so I I feel bad about that. But sometimes your stuff just cuts out. So go so go back to that in a second. But if people uh, people take the Bible as first all encompassing and delivered to them as it should be, and um, again, we need to go back to what you said, but it changes every year. You have yeah. to look at the notes at the bottom. Yeah. And they're afraid to put the, uh, because it's hard to dissect, but if you have your Bible, you go down to the notes at the bottom, it'll say they don't really know who John is, that John is, you know. They don't really, the, all the notes down there are just as important as the stuff that they're reading as scripture, because yeah. that is, that should be giving them a uh, dissecting point instead of looking at it from their own assumptive truths. Yeah. Now go back. Sorry. Revelation. Uh, that, that part doesn't really matter, but I think that, you know, in order to make the Bible be the holy book of this dogma christian dogma that exists now you have to do so much juggling with the data right with the text um that is there and the first thing that people do is they assume a univocality of this book yep. that doesn't have one it has multiple authors who wrote different things over different times who have different descriptions and depictions and accounts of who God is, what angels look like, each one different, and they were never meant to agree with each other. Those authors never knew each other. Those authors didn't know the worlds that the others existed. And the, and the ones and the ones that were supposed to know each other, a lot of those were written by scribes of those people. A lot of uh, uh, and and you you can look at um, theologians that believe ones that still follow the Christ, you know, and their belief system. And they will tell you there's still books attributed to Paul, you know, mm -hmm. attributed to these different authors that they don't yeah. know who wrote them. Many, many, many other gospels, gospel of Thomas, Enoch, right. um, Mary Magdalene. That, but the, that one, the ones, yeah, But the ones that are actually accepted into the Bible, they still don't know who wrote some of them. Oh, yeah. And you can tell by the Greek. Mm -hmm. The Greek itself is different. The literacy is at different levels, you know, book to book, even though they've tried to, you know, match them up to, to authors. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I grew up having over thousands of years. Say that again. Like you said, it's a series of scribes over thousands of years. And so the oldest uh, manuscript that we have, uh, it's called the Sinai Codex, right? And we have many that just date, I mean, they're fragments of pieces, but date around 200, 300, you know, uh, AD. And we're but still we, finding other fragments that are before. Yeah. That uh, contrast. Dead Sea Scrolls was a, was a big finding, but we have almost 6,000 ancient manuscripts. And if you line them up, you can actually look at the penmanship, how they would make different letters and symbols, and you can see the evolution of penmanship. So you know 
by how they made the A, for instance, right? That it goes from this era. And if you look at the co the Sinai Codex next to like the King James Bible of today or the latest Tyndale, there's like 50,000 errors. There are 1,600 critical errors, which changed it from this to this. Sometimes but people, but people think of it as one book. So I think this book was locality. Like it has one voice. This book was delivered to them. This is the, but <laughs> it's incredibly man-made, right? It I is, mean, it is. We have the history. We can see how it was assembled in the motives of those people who assembled it. And then we can and, see these giants throughout history, like Constantine, right? And his impact on the Bible and Martin Luther and his impact on the Bible and King James and his impact on the Bible, adding words to it, adding stories to it. Like the story of the woman caught in sin and everybody gathers around to stone her and they put Jesus into this jackpot, right? It's not Should in scripture. Exactly. It wasn't in any of the manuscripts. No. A scribe wrote it in into Mark 7 thinking, well, all of these things that Jesus is teaching, this story sort of sums up what he's teaching. Kick-ass story, I'll put it in. And the next scribe just writes it right into the book. And, and over it, and over. And if, pe and if people, yeah. And if people like are weirded out by that, that watch this, that are Christians, it says it in your Bible. <laughs> It, it really it does. says it. It says it in the notes. This is this this ver this story is not in any of the early manuscripts. It it says it right in your Bible. So it when was just made up and put in there at some point to support somebody's agenda. So right? when when a pastor uses that as a sermon, gosh, to me that means they're not fully studying. Yeah. They're taking this one thing to prove a point that they want to teach from the Bible, but like that was never there. That's it's a it's a a false story. It's a false fact. <laughs> or like even in like the arrangement, and in, in this happened um, in the Martin Luther era, where they you know they could see conflicting messages. Like Paul says, "It is by grace we are saved through faith." And James clearly says, "It is by works." that we are done. Paul says, it is not by works, it is by faith. James says, it is by works that we are recognized as, as Christians. These works are works of the heart. Speaking of the transformation that's happened in, inside of us, these two things clearly don't match, but Martin Luther really liked, he, he was on Paul's team and, and moved everything up, right? He moved Romans right behind Acts and all of the letters up, and he shuffled James to the back because that was the that supported the doctrine at the time. It but did. Like, throughout oh, history, sometimes homosexuality is super in vogue, and sometimes they're the outcast, and sometimes women in leadership is in vogue, and sometimes women need to be put in their place in the church. You know what I'm saying? And depending on what that is, generation to generation, century to century, there are things that people believe are 2,000 years old that are less than 50 years old. They've just, just been added recently. Yeah. And to put your faith into that specifically, you should probably know what's in there. Like you right. should probably read it and read it like honestly, like read it uh, academically. Honestly. So when, when me and you talk about this stuff and people talk about 
apologetics, you know, defending something from the Bible. Yeah. And and you and you tell someone to really search wherever truth takes you, whatever information you find, search. But people that are doing apologetics, which you you should do apologetics if if you have this uh, you know uh, truth before you that you want to defend, right? But if you're saying that you're searching scripture of the of the Christian faith, if you're not disagreeing with almost half at least of the belief system, you're not searching, you're doing apologetics and like you said, putting on what has been taught to you to the scriptures. If you look at it, you, you have to be willing to be scared. You have to be willing to be to let to let go. You know, you like be grossed out, but to to go without knowing because people try to give you easy answers like this is how God feels about this. You know, it, right. everybody's God believes the same thing that they do, right? right. Some of, like the, the way they prioritize things, God prioritizes. Everybody has their has their own God. And when people lately have been, well, lately, I mean, over a long period of time, say. You're just making God in your own image. And my response is like, we always have. Yeah. Like we've always made God in our own, 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 own image. And the scribes that are a part of the history of the books of the Bible, that people don't realize were also hired by certain groups, hired by um, rulers hired by people that wanted to make money. Mm-hmm. Like these scribes had uh, intentions, not all of them, but they had intentions of uh, pleasing whoever they were hired to please. And so that's when you find out all this stuff that gets worked in, you know, all this stuff that gets built on top of like, the stuff that's been said before, like you, you mentioned John, you mentioned, um, well, we both mentioned like hell and these things. That stuff was so much later. And there's so much from the 18th century and 19th century that is taught as always being there in the age of enlightenment in the medieval uh, times, the, the things were developed that were not, a part of scripture. And I know this is going off a little bit of what we're talking about, but when it comes to my dad, yeah, those things matter. Those are stories that I either have to accept and, and, and defend when he passes, which I, man, I can't, I just can't think about that right now, but like, those are stories I either have to, defend or pretend like they're there to give people comfort. But when you, when you get to that place, when you think about your own last breath and you think about your parents' last breath, those other stories matter. You don't, I I don't want to, besides for my mom, I can't tell everyone that I agree what they're saying with as they, uh, as they tell me these things, I feel like I'm saying like he's already dead. He, 
but I'm dealing with that in my head right now because of what happened, you know? You, you and, have to take steps here, man. Right. And so the first, I told you when I texted you, the first person that comes and says, oh, he's 93. Oh man, he's lived a great life. You know, this is a celebration of life, you know? And I, I want to fucking punch that person and say, no, I need to wail. And it doesn't matter what age he was. If they talked about someone that was like 50, they'd be like, oh, he was taken out of his prime. Yeah. You know, and now you're talking about my, uh, we just have so many pictures of life, of scripture and stuff that it really does matter when you're at the end of your life, your parents are in life, you're at the end of your life. It ma- It matters. These stories that we dissect, these things that me and you talk about that we've learned, it matters. Because do you want to propagate it to your own family later on, your own child and go, just going to be in heaven? Like, do you, how do you move main culture out of your personal family mm-hmm. into really trying to find truth i don't know if that made sense or not but like how do you how do you push out all of the shit that's been accepted by the religion that you follow and still make it um comprehensible in some form but i think I'm, the, i think i'm rambling now but i think one of the appeals of um established religions is having the answers because living with the questions is is very unsettling and unfortunately the answers just aren't good enough for me um but they satisfy some people and they bring you know comfort to some people but they're not answers that i mean that's the whole thing that's what's hard especially if you're at the funeral funeral of your father or mother that's what's hard they're like placebos it is it's placebos because you you literally are if you if you really study to be willing to let go of your faith because you want truth not 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 studying to let go of your faith but if you're studying to be willing to question your faith then you would see all of these things that are assumptive truths Truths that never existed. This Todd are going to say, "Well, you have convinced me. I am not going to read the Bible or study the faith that I believe in because these motherfuckers are in pain and without answers. This is discomfort. Um, This is this is truth. You you know, I remember being at my at my grandfather's funeral and, and very similar to what you said." The way they wired his jaw and the expression that they put on his face wasn't an expression that he ever made. Right. You know, and I grabbed right. a hold of him like I like I hugged him there uh while he was still and it was hard to let go. It was one of the first important people uh in my life that had ever died. And then I went back to my seat. And I sat down between my father and my son. And my grandfather, the the, the patriarch of our family, uh, was in the casket. 
And I grew up playing baseball. And in baseball, you have, uh, you know, nine players. And when you're, you're up to bat, you have three outs. So three guys get ready, right? The first guy goes to the plate. The second guy, he's on deck. And the third guy, he's in the hole, right? Three guys preparing at different stages. And the guy who who's on deck, man, he is living his life. And how his story ends, it, it, it ends at the plate. The guy who's on deck, he's a little bit more comfortable, right? Like he's got weights on his bat and he's sort of timing the pitches out and he's got time to take deep breaths and to think big thoughts, you know, and the guy in the hole, right? He's putting on his batting gloves and he's finding his helmet and he's getting ready to go out on deck. Like he's two away from the plate being there at my grandfather's funeral and seeing him in the casket, all of a sudden this shift was on, right? Now my father's the matriarch. I move up in a position and Iggy takes my place. And so it goes. And now my dad is 77 years old and he's looking smaller to me than he has ever looked before. Yeah. I remember being a kid and looking up to him and he looked big, right? I remember wrestling with him and playing basketball with him and he could box me out of the paint. He was big. And now when I like hug him in the driveway, as I'm leaving, he's small in, in my arms and I'm big. And you're afraid to, you're afraid to hug them as you want to hug them. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I go to hug my dad, I leave a little bit of pressure off. Yeah, you know, yeah. leave a little, uh, a little bit of what I really want to do because I know it would, it would hurt him. You know, yeah. if I if I held on too tight, and I'm gonna hold on too tight when that moment comes. I'm I, I'm gonna hold on too tight, but it's not gonna hurt him anymore. It's gonna hurt me. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's it, it's it's gonna hurt me because I don't know what I need to let go of. I don't want to let go of him, but I'm being told to celebrate his life. And he's now in the hands of I don't Jesus. Know if, I don't know if that's it. I think that the idea is to begin the grieving process. But the Bible doesn't even you love this person. Don't make a joke at the end. Like not, let's not all pretend this thing that, there's very little evidence of, right? Not like how, but how it's just a belief that we share to get us through this afternoon. But how can I wail at my dad's funeral and it not be offensive? That's the, oh, that's the I, thing I'm not looking forward to. And I hate talking about it like it's inevitable soon. But my dad has already talked to my mom about his last. Of you course. Know, what he wants to happen, you know, but how can I not wail without offending people that are there that shouldn't be offended because they're there for us? You're saying that that you shouldn't wail because no, I, I, I'm saying you're not believing that your dad is in heaven. No, I'm saying that doesn't matter about that belief. It matters that how we mourn in our culture. If I wailed, it would make everyone uncomfortable. But they're supposed to be here to embrace your welling. They're supposed to be here to, and also because my mom isn't embrace, she embraces this culture as we all do. That would give her discomfort that I can't comfort her because I'm wailing, I'm wailing, and I want, but I want to wail. I want to say, 
fuck you, you know, to everything. I want to say all of you guys that came want to give me a message, want to give me something to make me feel better. But I don't want to feel better in that moment. I don't want to feel better. I don't want to just celebrate this man's life that I I do want to celebrate. I want to let I, I want we need to let people know that it hurts, it's valid and this yeah. and honestly death should fucking not be acceptable. <laughs> it should not be something that's commonly acceptable unless you're wailing and in pain. You yeah. don't need to pretend. You don't need to go to each other and say, oh, hey, I'm in a line and I'm shaking hands, which I did to my with my grandmother. I'm next to my mom. And people are in a line. They come up and say, sorry for your loss. And I'm like, I, is it sorry for your loss because it's challenging your belief system? Because I don't need you to tell me you're sorry. I'm standing here in line like, I'm I'm going off the deep end. I'm just uh, uh, go ahead. You're going to wrap this part up. Like you get what I'm saying. I do. I do. And I, I you know, I'm sure that you have uh, at some point come across sort of the stages of grief and read sort of the how you process it. Um, you know, in these seven stages or five stages, uh depending on what, what which one you're looking at or one stage where you just fucking let it all out. That is that's you know, the one, man. That that really is. And part of that is anger. And you, you know, you're like anger. I'm not angry at my dad, but you are exhibiting you know anger right now. You know, I'm you're angry at people who say things, but really like it's coming from fear and loss and and things like that. And anger is the first stage of grief, you know, then denial. And, and it goes on and on. And the thing is that once you complete the seven or complete the five, you don't get, you know, you, you don't get a certificate or anything. You get to start them over, right? And you do them again. And we grieve relationships this way and losses this way. Um, and but, life. When you, but when you're talking about a loss of life, I feel like we only have, uh, we've created those five, seven, whatever stages because you're afraid to scream about it when it happens. And so you try to explain why my son wants to show me a game and I'm going to remember this on my deathbed. Okay. Dad, watch this. Okay. Oh, he made a machine work on his game. Now watch this. Oh, shot something out of a cannon. That moment right there is the moments that I remember with my dad. That moment, I shouldn't have to walk through a step of knowing like this is the first step of grieving. This is the, I don't I don't want to know anything. I want I want to know that I can wail. I want to know that I can say fuck you to everything. I want to know that I can say fuck you to the religion I grew up in because they want to tell you, hey, hey. He's with him now. He's with him. It doesn't matter because you don't really believe that anyway. I mean, I feel like what you're sort of saying is it's not in the Bible. I wish it were, but you don't believe that anyway. Not heaven uh, in the way that we were taught. 
in the religion that we grew up in. Not in not in the way we've been taught in the, so, and, and, and what we grew up in. The the more mystics, yes, but the more mystics are even rejected by our tribal faith of of Christianity. And Martin Luther, <laughs> if people knew a lot of the stuff that he did believe, and they 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 walked past the main story of him, that was the oh the moment where he put these, ah, he's creating this freedom of. He believed some fucked up stuff. He did. Just like our forefathers of a country. Like they believe some crazy shit that no Christian would accept right now. No mainstream Christian would accept right now. Yeah. And so when you get to that, that's the stuff that like, I don't think when someone tries to console me, when it actually happens, and it actually happens with my father and someone tries to console me, all I can hear is the other stuff. And they're repeating stuff that just doesn't exist. Does that make sense? Is that? It does make sense. It does make sense. And and that's why I'm more often than not, I'm just quiet at funerals. Yeah. Because there isn't the right thing to say. But it, it, there's no relief from the pain. And I don't necessarily think that we should be relieved from the pain. Like Lola said, dad, I'm the only one actually processing this, what's happening. And the finiteness of this kid's decision, you know? Um, and whatever and you think that, and whatever you think that finiteness is. He's not here anymore. He's not going to high school and yes. he's not playing basketball this season. That's no. the, that's the finiteness. Maybe he has wings somewhere else. Clarence, it's a wonderful life. Fucking love that guy. And <laughs> what you just said about wings, even that's fucking believed about right. uh, with mainstream Christianity. Is oh my gosh, man! It it really is a mystery. The mystics are the closest. The agnostics are the closest. The atheists. What? The agnostics are the most honest and most humble, I feel. Yeah. Um, the atheists are the bravest, probably should say you're an atheist. But I think uh, most of... When I describe you, Todd, I describe you as a mystic. When You know, when I talk to people about you and your faith, I would say that like, you'll never not believe. Even though you're skeptical, you'll never not believe because you're kind of mystical well there's so there's experiences like like when you and i were at churches there's a, there, there's experiences that we both can't explain i mean but you've re, you've seen them recreated in secular settings haven't that's, you that's that's the yeah uh, and that's the thing i would agree with that you can you can recreate what we experienced in different settings but there still is there's a there's a gray line because you can't at some point you can't let go of the fact that oh maybe I maybe I shouldn't write it off like maybe there is something to it. I like your idea of scream therapy at a funeral, and I completely completely support that. But I'm also you know um, I'm a person who hopes you know 
um, that comes out of just, just general optimism, maybe, um, but sort of to survive, I have to have some hope. And I hope in things, you, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are comforted by the idea, like he accepted Christ. So we're 100% sure he's in heaven and they're comforted by that. Oh my I'm, gosh. Sorry. I'm no, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I no longer can, I can't ever deal with that. The fact that I have friends and family that are so, and if they believe it, it's great. That are so excited when they say the prayer that their child will not burn forever. Like they had the child knowing that that was a possibility. And now they said said the prayer. What? It's a high risk proposition bringing a kid into the world, and potentially they don't, you know, say the magic words. You brought them in. You brought them in, giving them a horrible choice. You brought them in. It's selfish. If you really believe that, it you is. Believe that. It is. It is selfish, but it also is most glorious to that family because now their kid is going to be in you know in eternity but like that that is the crap that is going to be presented at the end like the end of my fa- uh, my father's life i'm thinking about all that shit i'm thinking about all the stuff that is assumptions i'm thinking about all the stuff that you've been taught i'm thinking about all the stuff that like would he have he brought me into the world thinking i might die in hell but that was taught to him as that's a natural way of thinking that's yep. the that's the normal way of thinking well yeah how what other option is there you bring someone into the world now they have the option of deciding you don't bring them into the world they won't die and burn forever yeah that's that's just logic i think that you know where i find hope is that this this chapter what? ends, this last chapter ends, and you have a great relationship with your father. You admire him and respect him and love him. And you've been the recipient of love from a guy who knows how to love. There's probably people listening to this podcast who don't have that relationship with their father, you yeah. know, or, or something less. And it would be so much harder to reach that last day and and and, you you know and and harbor hate in your heart or resentment for something that happened or being playing old tapes of things you said um any 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 of those old tapes any of those moments where it was rough or something was said it doesn't it doesn't matter It, it my uh my uncle mike died last year his uh my dad's brother died and I was talking to his his estranged daughter my cousin Lindsay she hated her dad really and wait for him to die and when when he was having complications with surgery and getting weaker and we knew it was the end she was hoping beyond all hope that his death would bring some resolve to her life because she had been so abused by this man so damaged 
by this man at, at a young age and then so betrayed by the person who is supposed to protect you and and, and care for you. And um, man, that's the spectrum right there. It is. It is one. a spectrum. And, uh, and Lindsay at the other. And I'm just grateful, um, one, that uh, I think funerals have a way of focusing us, like they automatically prioritize us, you know? I don't and- want a funeral. I, I, I think funerals, I mean, fine. Like, I, I, I understand. I understand the person that has left you, you need to celebrate. The person that left you, you need to celebrate. But there's closure, right? Like, it's... I- it's a way of accepting. I don't know. I don't know if the funeral is closure. The closure is when it happens and you accept that it happened. You know, I think the rest, I, I could be wrong, but this is my own like experience and my, well, my own assumptions of, of things. For me, the funeral is something I would, when he passes, I will have to go through um but i like to pray over and see his body and acknowledge yeah but the the funeral the funeral itself i think it's just sort of a it's a cultural thing that i don't need it's because a, i don't i don't need other people i don't need other people to tell me how sorry they am they can say that somewhere else but like no I don't think the funeral is a closure. I think it's a thing past the closure. You know, I think it's a thing that is. It goes back into the mystery of. Um, the only thing I'm thinking before a funeral is. What does happen? And we talked about it at the, on our last podcast. What does happen? The Bible doesn't fully say what happens, although many would disagree with what we just said. Um, if you go back to the most ancient of texts, the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, written on these clay tablets dried from the bottom of the of the river, there tells which this- is pla- which is placed into our scriptures mentally, not 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 well, also verbally, also literally, it's thrown in, but that. The Epic of Gilgamesh is this uh, this tale of a hero. You know, it's a hero's journey, and for the most part, it's it's fighting and fucking right. He's conquering his enemies, and he's 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 got rapport with the ladies. And um, but when he lays on his back at night and watch the watches the clouds pass and the opaque pale blue sky turn black on all the sudden you look out into the infinite universe and Gilgamesh asks what the hell happens when we die <laughs> you know what I mean like this 6,000 7,000 year old you know book that's what people are thinking about mm-hmm. and with all the advancements in technology and civilization and agriculture and construction and, and- in, in We're still the, sitting here talking about what happens when we die. But, it, but like, it, I'm not okay with nothing. <laughs> you know? No, I'm not. Oh, man, if the people that follow the Christian religion 
look back and they see how much that story that was way before influenced the scripture. And you can see the moments where it does. The Israelites, when they are in, what's the term? In exile. Exile. When they're in exile, that's the first time, first time they're exposed to these stories and beliefs. And they want to reconcile it with their belief system. And you can see that slowly happening and you see it quickly when the New Testament starts. Yeah. Or where 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 the books that we have placed them starts. But you you see that it's not it's not ever been always there. And that should cause people to pause. And that that causes me to pause to the point where I don't want to have to go through a fucking funeral for my dad. I'm going to. I'm going to. If my mom said we don't want to do it, I don't I I don't want it. Because I don't believe the stuff that I'm supposed to support there. I don't believe the stuff that I'm supposed to accept there. From but, people. but Todd, you like not not the doctrine. That's not the stuff you believe, but the the people are there that you love. You know what I mean? Like it is important. It's important for you to be with your mother at that time. You know, it's, it's important for me to. This is what. Her, it hurts. Yeah. It's important for me to support some of the assumptive truths that will give peace to the closest people of me. And but that's I feel what like you're saying that you're going to play a character. Uh, and I yes. think that you have to because the realest thing there is the authentic relationships that you have with people in that room. And I think it's a disservice to them for you to be inauthentic in any way. But but my in, if I'm going to be authentic, I would stand up and say, I don't know where my father is. That's a hell he's, of a funeral. Do not, that. People will remember that for the rest of their lives. He's not in hell. He's not in heaven because the Bible doesn't say either one. And that's where I have to be inauthentic. And break the hearts of everybody there. Which leads to one of the final things I want to talk. Well, we're not going to fully talk about it. One of the final thoughts I want to say. Not only just, well, I'll make the assumption of, um, outside of Christianity as well and outside other religions that have belief systems that they struggle with that have been accepted that they know isn't fully that thing. For those that we're talking about within the Christian belief system, the things that we find out, the things that we know, the things in the notes of the most holiest scriptures Point to more mystery than anything. And for us, or, or at least for the tribe that we have been in, in 2,000, 3,000 years, the Christians that are right here are going to be early Christians. If, if 
if you don't stand for what you really have known and believe, it's going to be perpetuated. In 2000 years, in 2000 years, they're going to be dealing with the same shit that we're talking about right now. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the construct, the, the, the collection of social constructs that makes up the ideology of Christianity will completely change because it has to evolve. Like it has to adapt. The only religions that survive thousands of years are those who can change on a dime. And but, the, but, but, but around funerals, you, you know, around death, those are going to be the exact same because of what you were just saying. Nobody will face the truth. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, sharing that man. And um, these are really vulnerable things that you're saying i mean you 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 have exposed your yourself and um feelings i feel, are... I feel really like to be honest i feel pretty heavy so yeah. i'm glad yeah. i got to uh talk about it tonight i don't expect my dad to die tomorrow i hate i hate having these conversations that sound like he is but i'm dealing with that stuff like he is going to and I think that's good to talk about it, you know, and I'm glad yeah. I can be your friend in this. And you are. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, synthesizers, for joining us um, for a very real conversation <laughs> of life and death and love and legacy, thoughts on afterlife and um, and thoughts on healing um, post-Christianity. Um um, putting the putting the pieces back together in some semblance uh, that uh, has integrity with you, uh, and you don't have to fake it uh, in, in front of the world. Thanks for joining us uh, with this, helping us synthesize some of these ideas and maybe grow a little bit um, through conversation, um, but also just to love on each other, um, to look into each other's eyes and. Um, and, and be connected um, we want to build a community here so um, if you hear this subscribe um, follow us ask questions post things um, and, we, and we would love to talk to you and communicate more thank you synthesizers thank you todd we love you so thank much you. thank you synthesizers chris till next time till next love you, time. brother love you too